0: Welcome to the Top Nonprofits Podcast, the place where modern nonprofiteers gather to learn from best nonprofit leaders and organizations. Good morning. Welcome, everybody. My name is Amy DeVita, and I'm here at Top Nonprofits. And on the phone with me today, I'm delighted to introduce everybody to Kishana Palmer. She is going to be a speaker at the New Jersey chapter of um, AFP's Annual Conference on Philanthropy. And um, Kishana, you want to say hello? Hi, everybody. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me today. Oh thank you. We um we're really excited here because well for you know we're always excited about new ways to um pump up our, you know, skills when it comes to fundraising and developing better, deeper, more meaningful relationships with our funders um, and our donors. And, you know, Kishana is fabulous. She's just she's just a fabulous person. So when you go to her website, which I recommend you do because there's a lot of great resources on there, um, that's Kishana Co. Um, dot com and visit her site. Um, it, it, she has bright ideas for nonprofits and entrepreneurs who want to do good. And, um, that's her tagline and her site. I love it because it's just very invigorating and, um, it's colorful and it's, you know, it's, it really just breathes new life into something it, that sometimes we might feel a little bit gets a little bit stale. So, um, all of that said, let's, what we're going to be talking about today is something that's really important. Um, it's how to manage intergenerational teams. Before we get started, though, I would like to um, say, first of all, welcome, Kishana. And could you give us a little bit of background about yourself and you know, and how you found your way to the stage at AFP?
1: Yeah, well, first of all, thank you so much for having me today. I'm excited to share time and space with you today. And for everybody who's listening, you know, thank you so much for tuning in. I know you could be doing something else. And so I'm glad that you decided to see what we have to say this morning. Um, and so really excited about that. So a little about me. Let's see a little bit about me. I am what I would. Say as a recovering fundraiser at this point, you know, um <laughs> I have been consulting um probably for like eight years now, off and on, like mostly part-time. I was a full-time practitioner until a little bit over a year and a half ago. And most of my roles were as chief development officer, chief external affairs officer, VP of external affairs, straddling between fundraising operations marketing and communications, and then every now and again, I would dibble and dabble in policy as well. So my responsibilities really ran the gamut from thinking about how we were going to raise more money and to see transformational gifts, all the way to how to position the brand of an organization. Um, So that we continue to attract folks who were excited to be our ambassadors and know more about the work we were doing. um, And also how to attract and retain really amazing professionals who not only were excited about the work, but were excited about working, right? I I think there's a difference. Uh, Lots of organizations put in their job descriptions that they want folks who... We're really passionate about mission, which, you know, has some level of importance, but lots of times you can be passionate about mission and not passionate about your work. Um, And so my part of my responsibility was to find uh, talented development and communications professionals who would be excited about the work and also would grow uh, while working alongside me. And so I sort of found my way to the AFP stage. Uh, I I really feel like someone heard me speak somewhere or I was in conversation somewhere and... um, a colleague suggested that I submit for uh, one of the workshop sessions. And so I submitted a couple of them and one of them was picked up for the Rebels Renegades track that AFP has at this national conference. And so I was really excited to be able to do not one, but two sessions at the last at 2017's AFP, one on hiring, uh, recruiting and retaining diverse professionals of color, To your fundraising team, and also um, on the big stage for Rebels doing intergenerational teams. And so, you know, that's pretty much what brought me here. Um, I work with nonprofit organizations that want to grow, either by growing their board, by growing their staff or teams, or by growing their funding, and don't want to just do the status quo, want to really think about things differently, re engineer. Processes that may, you know, maybe working just fine, but want to do it a new way, or are experiencing changes or challenges in leadership where that is affecting the way they do business. And so, you know, that takes me to board governance training, that takes me to staff retreats, that takes me to executive coaching and senior leadership coaching, staff trainings you name it, I'm there. And I'm here with you today. <laughs>
0: Well, we are so grateful to have you here. Thank you. Um, and you've obviously, you've been in the trenches and worked in a variety of, um, you know, of um, responsibilities at organizations. So thank you for sharing your expertise today. And, and it's it's always important to keep an eye on how we can become better, um, how our organizations can better serve. And, you know, you just can't keep applying the same. Um, roles that have been working in the past um, because things are changing in the present and the future. Mm-hmm. So um, so we're going to talk a little bit about, and you touched on a little bit, um, uh, on how to manage intergenerational teams. And, you know, Kishana, please, I, I'm looking forward to getting your advice on this because I think it's so important. Um, oftentimes, people just—you know—we we were talking about this last week. People roll their eyes when they hear the word "millennial" brought up, but the fact of the matter is this: in 2018, 50 percent of the workforce is going to be made up of millennials. So that's 50 percent of donors, the potential donors. It's your volunteers. I mean, it's—it's 50 percent. That's it's impressive. It's important to be able to connect um, in a, in a way that's going to be helpful, meaningful. So, and to add a little bit of uh, wow factor, I think yes. is, <laughs> was the story this morning that Heinz Inc named 20 year, 29 year old David Knopf, um, as their new CFO. And, you know, that's kind of mind blowing, but it's probably, it's not, he's not the, the funny thing is he's not the first or the youngest. He's like the second, but, um, I, this will definitely be becoming a trend. Um, so that big, like, wow, that just happened. Um, that's
1: crazy. I mean, it's awesome, but, like, that's definitely, right. like...
0: It, but isn't it interesting? I mean, that's a, you know, that's totally a traditional business that has a long history, uh, and it's going to be interesting to see how... I think it'll be interesting to see the the sensibilities of a 29-year-old. Uh, Princeton University educated 29. I mean, he's clearly very... Um, very well prepared for this position, but the point is his his sensibilities because of his age is, are different than those of, you know, people my age. So it'll be interesting to see how that affects the brand. So let's talk a little bit about the intergenerational teams managing and let's start with, you know, you, you touched on it in your introduction, you know, the attracting and how to attract and retain talent um, in that group.
1: Yeah. And so, you know, one of the things that I think about when thinking about just any, genera- any generational group, period, is people, all of us, I think, have a need in some way or shape or form to be wanted and also to be needed and to feel like the work that we're going to do and the skills and the strengths and even some of our, you know, wobbly bits <laughs> that we bring to the table are going to be valued and valuable and an asset to an organization or a company. And so I think you know, it's a, there's a tendency to make this, like, clear distinction between how to recruit, retain uh, millennial uh, professionals separate and apart from me, I'm a Gen Xer, um, or somebody who is a boomer or, or something else, right? Like, But really, when it comes down to it is, have we as an organization, have we as a hiring team, have I as a hiring manager really articulated what is going to be critical for success in this role? And what are the types of competencies that need to be brought to bear in order for anyone in this role to be successful? And so I am an advocate for, you know, when you're doing a job uh, description, that's a marketing tool. And so it should not be boring and dry and drab. If you go into a clothing store, a car dealership to book a vacation, to buy a new purse, let's see for men to buy new golf clubs whatever, if that particular company or that brand doesn't do a really good job of saying, hey, here is why you need this thing. Here is why we love you. And here is why this is awesome. And by the way, so are you. And can you see yourself with this thing? You're not going to get it, no matter how useful it is, or how necessary it might be to your life, because you just don't see the value. And so I think looking at job descriptions as a, as a, initial attraction tool, um, we've got to look at it differently. We've got to look at it as marketing tools, a way to say, here is why my organization rocks. Here's why you'll love working here. Here is the challenge that we're presenting, which this job is going to help us solve. And here's how you can see yourself here. Do you see yourself here? And I think that that works for any generation, but I have found in my own professional practice for that to be incredibly attractive for emerging professionals, particularly for millenn- millennials who are like "Well tell me why that you're great as opposed to just being like, "Oh my gosh, I just really want a job so I think that mm-hmm. um, there there's some subtle differences, but overall the way organizations and organizational leaders human capital talent teams hiring mm-hmm. mean, managers on fundraising teams can position the work I think really starts with helping folks see why it's be so exciting to work there
0: that's awesome and you know. I think you just um crystallized the whole thing, which is that that feeling of like being wanted and needed, that's that's every generation, everybody, that's a human mm-hmm. need. Um and also the job description, using that to market is brilliant. And here's why. Because I'm a Gen Xer too. I remember I read you know, want ads in the newspaper? That you know, that's how you would find uh, an open mm-hmm, position, you too. right? So, and so for me and for you, our our reference in the past had always been, okay, here's the title, here's the uh, you know, um, this is the company name, this is the size of the company, this is the t- um, this is the salary, what have you. Here's who to contact for an interview. I mean. That was kind of the way we looked at it. But the sensibility of people who are millennials and Gen X, Gen Z, who will be knocking on doors soon too, um, they're not used to looking at that. And on top of it, they're used to being inundated with information from all sides, all types of media. And so you need to make your organization's opportunity stand out to them and be able to convey that message of, like, why they're needed if they're a good fit quickly. I, I was just doing some research. And now I guess on average our attention span is um, less than that of a goldfish. Um, mm-hmm. eight, I think it's seven seconds and a goldfish has eight seconds. So that's who you're talking to. So the point isn't that they are different people. Um, beings, they have great resources. You need to be able to speak to them in a way that will connect and they will realize that there's a connection that's meant to be. um, Absolutely.
1: absolutely.
0: That's awesome. Thank you. Uh, What, what tips do you have though for retaining the talent? Once you, once you've attracted them and found them and they've come on board, what tips can you give a manager for keeping people engaged?
1: Yeah. And so, you know, I'm going to use the colloquialism here because if anybody has heard me speak before, let's see my YouTube videos, you know that I, that I talk to you like I've known you forever, okay? So folks, I need you to lean in and hear what I'm about to say. One of the ways that you can retain your talent is to get your act together before they get there. I cannot tell you how many times I have joined a team where my onboarding was a mess, There was an expectation that I would just jump in and figure it out. Mm -hmm. Fine, sure, there is some value to getting in there, getting your hands dirty quickly. But if a new team member cannot see their way to success from the door, then how are you going to hold them to a standard of excellence that's not clear? And so one of the best retention tools I have found as a manager was to spend the time before I, when I'm putting the job description together, when I'm thinking about the scope of the work, when I'm thinking about the bigness of the challenge that I am seeking a talented professional to come help me solve, I'm also thinking about what are they going to need to be successful? And that is about tools. That's about policies and procedures. That's about practices. And if I don't have them, if there are some gaps, is it then going to be a part of that person's role to help me create them? If so, how have I created runway for them to do so? And so I think a lot of times what happens is that you have this mashup, particularly in fundraising roles, of not having the right kind of resources, whether that's your donor management system or the amount of resources to go out and talk to donors, whether it's financial or otherwise, or actually getting your hands on tangible information, donor records, And then expecting that professional to come in and go and just like wave their wand and make magic. Sprinkle fairy dust, then the money appears. That's not a realistic expectation that sets people up for failure, not for success. And that's why you're going to have some folks quitting on you. And so if you want to help retain your talent, particularly when you're thinking about millennials who actually, and this is not in a pejorative way, but, you know, in my generation, I didn't get any kind of participation medals, okay? Like, you either get first, second, or third, or you just sort of sucked. Like, that's just what it is, right? You (laughs) win or you don't. My daughter is 11 years old, and I don't let her go to any of the uh, participation banquets because you don't get a prize just for showing up at the soccer field. Like, that's your job, kid, okay? And so... There's a different mentality that, you know, um, particularly late boomer, early Gen X or parents have for their kids, where they were just, you know, cheering them on. You can do it. You're successful. You're amazing. Even when they're doing like average work. And so that translated in education and therefore translated into internships. And then it translates into what? Work. So- Rather than turn our noses up at it, which is our temptation to do, these young people, they don't know a thing, they are just ungrateful, right? I decided, and I think, actually, let's leverage their life experience, because that is their lived experience, and help them figure out how they can be successful, but also that there is a bar of excellence that they must meet in order to be considered a star on my team, in order to be considered successful, in order to be considered to meeting expectations, And doing that before they start, in my opinion, is the way that you help with retention. Because when folks understand what the road is and they can see themselves on that road and they feel that they've got their tools, at that point, they either need to use them or they don't. So that's one of the things that I think really helps with retention. Really having a tight onboarding process, clear expectations, helping them to see their way to success as a good 90-day plan that you can check in with them with benchmarks and some real deliverables that they can see some early wins. And then you just got to rinse and repeat. You keep doing that over the course of their time on team, you know, having the stretch project that allows them to really show mastery in the job that they were hired to do. And then a little extra, the time for feedback so that they get an opportunity to have a thought partner with you and grow And I know lots of us managers, particularly us who are like frazzled, running all over the place, trying to get things done, you know, have our own goals to meet. You're probably listening to this song. Kashana, I hear you, but I don't have time for that. Okay. Right. Reality is if you want to keep your people, you better make some time, figure it out. And so I think that that is one of the things that I learned really early on as a manager and had a lot of success as a manager because I just really felt committed to that concept
0: absolutely that's that's fabulous we've um i've i've had guests on here before who have explained the value the need to do what they call um wendy called the the dirty the dirty 30 to get to the heavenly 70 so Mm -hmm. it's basically doing all that hard work up front And it's going to save you so much time. So I love that advice of as you're putting together that job description, because you're thinking it through, you should be making a list at the same time of what tools and resources, um, your new staffer is going to need in order to find success. That's fabulous. And I love the, the analogy to parenting. It's so true. Um, and you know, we, I guess, you know, I've, I've daughter, my daughter's close in age to yours. Um, it's so funny. You know, we might look and say, oh, these kids are so entitled, but kind of who made them feel that way? Right. <laughs> right. So special, Billy. I mean, right. like, oh. way to, way to show up to school every day. Perfect Good attendance.
1: You. Good for you as I drop you off. I mean, like, it's insane. Yeah,
0: it it is. It is. But to point to them, you know, everybody wants to feel rewarded. You've got to find what are those what are those benchmarks that that necessitate and deserve. Mm -hmm. reward. And like you said, just you get that, put that together and then rinse and repeat and keep it, um, use that as your, um, guide. That's perfect. I I agree. I really appreciate that. I think that's fabulous. And I think everyone listening is going to enjoy that too. Now is how to manage energy intergenerational teams. Is that the topic that you're going to be speaking about at AFP?
1: Yes, I am, and so um, for those of you who are in Jersey or in the New York Metro, please find your way over to New Jersey because yes. that conference is going to be rocking and rolling, um, and you're not going to want to miss that. I think you know we all need to take some time to do uh, professional development and and make and not make busy, um, you know, take over our lives. And so, yes, I'm going to be talking about intergenerational teams and how to manage a team no matter where you are on the sort of intergenerational arc, if you will, (laughs) but also, and then what does that mean when you have intergenerational donors? How do you have the conversations, not just with team members who are of different generations than you are, particularly if you are a manager, but even if you're a team member managing up, and then how do you use that type of knowledge and skill sets and, um, and strategies and some tactics to, uh, work with donors. So I'm going to touch on that a little bit too. I think lots of us, when the millennial conversation kind of comes up, we tend to roll our eyes a little bit, but it is critical conversation. And when I talk to um, some of my clients who are millennials themselves, they're like, Kashana, you know, there's constantly a a scarlet letter, if you will, on Mm -hmm. us, like we're the scourge of the earth and the problem with all things wrong. But every generation has experienced that. Mm Every single one.
0: Absolutely, absolutely, and I think a lot of the things that they're known for are things that we, in every generation, want too. We just haven't been as vocal about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they articulate it and they'll let you know. <laughs> so it's it's just a different sensibility. So it, it, I thank you. I can't wait till um, till the conference. And I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day. I know you've got a lot going on. So thank you so much right. for being here. Um, and thanks for coming to New Jersey next in November. That's going to be exciting. Oh <laughs> Yay! So um, I encourage everybody who's, again, in the New York metro area, please come on out to the um, the Conference on Philanthropy. It's the annual conference for the AFP's New Jersey chapter. And you'll get to see Kishana Palmer in the flesh and um, learn all kinds of um, helpful advice on how to work with intergenerational teams now that I've said it. Yes,
1: absolutely. (laughs) All
0: right. Well, thank you so much. And um, let's come back and do this again soon sometime.
1: Absolutely. I'd be happy to be back.
0: All right. Thanks, Kishana.
1: Thank you so much. I appreciate it.
0: Thank you. Bye. That's it for today. See you soon. In the meantime, check out all of the other great resources we offer at topnonprofits.com.